0: Today's episode of the Ryan Rossillo Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Just like basketball, the game of life is unpredictable. Talk to a State Farm agent and get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. The O's taken two or three from the Sox. We'll get to that maybe a little bit later. I was worried about the Orioles pitching. At, well, after the first game of the season, and then I realized, you know what? You've actually been more worried about the Red Sox pitching. I'll, I'll admit, even as a... Uh, The guy that's not as locked in as he used to be on that Red Sox transaction wire. Uh, Your boy had to go deep in a baseball reference and be like, who's this converted reliever? Who's this guy? Are all the other starters quarantined? No, only one. Okay. All right. So get a teammate who can help you navigate the unexpected. Talk to a State Farm agent today. Today's plan. A little on Tibbs. And Mike Sando from The Athletic last week, I teased that we were hoping to have him on when his quarterback tier piece comes out, his annual piece, which I think is an incredible read. And 50 different NFL sources ranking all of the starting quarterbacks, 35 quarterbacks in total. So we do almost an hour with Sando, and then we'll do uh, a little quick life advice at the end. But before we do any of that, we got to welcome back our boy, Kyle, who was traveling the world um, I don't know how the passport worked. Where did you travel? I went uh, right to Poughkeepsie, New York, and I stayed there, man. Outdoor pool. What do you guys get an above ground there? I saw some footage. So, no, there was a there an a, a in-ground pool, and then my mom just made the jump, knocked down her above ground, and she's waiting for her, them to dig her in in-ground. It's about time. So you, No kidding. So, you growing up, you were an above-ground guy. Huh? I wasn't even really a pool guy for a long time, but, um, yeah, most of the friends had the above grounds. Yeah, there you go about there's something about above ground pools it's like you think you just know the person like oh they have an above ground pool oh okay
1: <laughs> damn i hate that i know exactly <laughs> what you mean
0: <laughs> yeah like their kid got arrested three times he stole the neighbor's car You're like what do they have an above ground pool over there We're like yep smells they like syrup in the house for some reason yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it is the people out there with the above ground pools there's just some nasty nasty stereotypes there's a lot, lot more ways just... to get hurt on above ground you, th- you know oh yeah i mean i've mopped myself the once in a while somebody last summer somebody dove in it head first it's like you didn't even have to put signs up for that anymore because you thought everybody knew but no he was like man i really hurt my neck I'm like dude you're 25 i liked when people like upgraded their above ground pool situation and put like a wraparound deck on it yeah and you're like you know it's still <laughs> we're still above sea level folks <laughs> but you know what you do whatever you got to do oh, when it's hot dude uh, So i'm, I'm not yeah, I'm not criticizing anybody for it, but I'm just saying that the above ground people out there, you know who you are, there's a lot of assumptions made about you, some fair, some unfair. So that's, that's not cool. Let's talk Coach Tibbs, new New York Knicks head coach, and I don't like it. I have uh, been lucky enough to talk to a lot of people over the years. I don't know that there's anyone that is more impressive just talking basketball than Tom Thibodeau. I'm serious. Um, I've told the story before, so I don't want to repeat myself, but we were sitting together watching a game, inbounds play. I asked him about it. He gave me, he ran through seven different variations of what you could have done defensively. And I was like, Do I know anything about basketball? Um, don't answer that. But X and O's games, I don't <laughs> I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody this as impressive as him. But to have him be the head coach of a Knicks roster that has maybe two pieces, although I could see him giving Frank Nielakino max deal, um, two pieces, Mitchell Robinson and, of course, R.J. Barrett, last year's lottery pick. It feels a little bit like having Radiohead come by your house to jam and all you have is like Fisher-Price toys. So let's run through Tibbs' resume. He was 32 years old when he started as an assistant, 8990, 20 years an assistant. Uh, up into that final year with the Celtics in 2010. 20 years as an assistant. When he was in Boston as an assistant, a lot of people weren't like, I don't know if this guy's going to be the head coach, even though everybody thought he's brilliant, because it's more than just being basketball brilliant. It's managing the room. He goes to Chicago. They're immediately 62 and 20. Uh, they were 41 and 41 the year before. They had Dang Rose Heinrich were kind of their top three guys. And then Tibbs gets there and it's Rose, Dang, Noah, and they brought over Booz, Carlos Boozer, who was 17 and 10. Uh, And if you remember some of the Vinny Del Negro stuff with Rose, it just didn't feel super creative offensively. It felt stagnant. Rose was so dynamic, but I don't know that they were doing anything necessarily help him out. And then it just all kind of clicked and came together and everybody's playing like north of 37, 38 minutes. But they had a really good group there, and that's an incredible record. And for somebody that people were like, is he a little too overbearing to be a head coach? 62 and 20, your first year in, you're like, wait a minute. That next year, um, remember a shortened season fifty and sixteen. So almost an identical winning percentage. Uh, remember Butler was eight minutes a game, 26 minutes a game, then 39 minutes a game, 39 minutes a game. He was 20 points a game in his fourth season. And the real problem was when Butler and Rose were trying to coexist, it didn't happen. It was the same problem for Hoiberg after that. But Tibbs shows you that I can coach. I can coach in this league. But let's not forget, there are still like three really established pieces as Butler was growing into something later, so he doesn't even count in the beginning. But when your first year, it's Rose, a couple years in, Dang, Noah, and Carlos Boozer, that's a really nice established four guys. But we all know that the Gar Foreman, John Paxson thing, the Gar-Pax deal was combative all the time. And there was actually a stretch there where I would defend the Bulls front office their draft track record, because it was pretty good there for a while. And it was this drama that everybody knew about. There are plenty of NBA front office dramas that we never hear anything about. And yet everyone knew about this one the entire time. He lasted five years and was out at the end of 2015. And the team has really never been the same since, but for a bunch of different reasons. It's not just because of Tibbs, but they had a really good coach in and, you know, it didn't work out. It didn't work out at all. Stops by ESPN for a little bit. That's when I met him. And then a year later, he takes over the Minnesota job. And Minnesota was 31 and 51 in his first year. They had only won 29 games the year before. Um, his first season there was Carl Anthony Towns second. Wiggins and Levine were the same draft, so they were three years in, and those were his top three guys. And then they get Butler and they win 47 games. I like I knew they had lost to Houston in that first round, and Butler was their leading scorer. Um, you know, 22 a game, just ahead of Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, Wiggins was still at 18. Uh, they had made the trade where it was Levine, uh, Markkanen, and Chris Dunn. I forgot that Chris Dunn had basically done nothing his rookie year because he did nothing. So that trade, you can kind of look back on it because I was reading some of the stuff at the time when Tibbs ended up leaving Minnesota. And I'm like, let me go back and look at what some of the reaction was. And I'll get to that in a second. But for him to get this Minnesota team to 47 and 35, it was all in on Butler. People call him the Timber Bulls and some of the guys that came over. But you know, when you just... When you just snapshot it this way, you go, what's the argument against this guy? What's, like, think about what he did to this Bulls team and how much he improved the record. He got Minnesota to the playoffs. And then Butler sabotaged the whole thing. And Butler is difficult pretty much everywhere he goes, except now I think there are times where, yeah, if he was frustrated with the young guys around him in Philly, I could see that even more so in Minnesota. But I think Tibbs maybe miscalculated the relationship thinking, hey, if this guy's disgruntled, I will just get him to ride out this whole season. Instead, he decided to show up to practice with an ESPN sit-down interview already scheduled, loses on everybody, then goes on the interview and just loses it again. It's like, okay, Jimmy Butler is doing every little thing he can to get the hell out of here. And that's where it all kind of went south. And it was on everybody. But I was reading back some of the stuff that he'd given up too much in the trade for Butler. I don't know. I mean, I still hold out hope for marketing uh, a little bit. And Levine's a talented, talented player. But as soon as you got Levine, you're going to pay him too much because a guy like that that has that kind of production, you're going to pay a lot. And he shouldn't be. like In a way, Zach Levine, I think, is being your number one option, can mess your team up as much as he can help it with just his talent. Um, Done, doesn't matter, none of that stuff. The Wiggins contract, even though that's under his watch, I know it sounds crazy, folks, but Wiggins was going to get that kind of money anyway. I mean, he just was. and because at that point you're like, all right, we're going to invest in this guy, number one pick, and he's putting up some numbers and we hope he takes the next step. And instead you're like, no, this is who he is this whole time. The Minnesota thing probably, because they weren't very good defensively with Tibbs at all after having these really nice defensive runs with Chicago. It's what kind of personalities do you have? And in Chicago, he had a bunch of fighters, even though Rose at times, once the injury sunk in, that could be debated, but Noah's a fighter. Jimmy is a fighter. Boozer, I look, he fell off quick, but he was a fighter. Taj is a fighter and Towns and Wiggins are not fighters. And then Butler comes in as a fighter with them. And he's like, look, I don't want to fight for these guys anymore. I'd fight them, but I'm out of here. And Tibbs is gone. So coming to New York, this isn't about, hey, is he a good basketball mind? It feels a lot like, I remember when the Celtics did with Doc Rivers, they brought him in and it felt like a distraction more than it was the right fit at the time, because it was Hey, bring Doc in, maybe distract people. Once you see the coach on the media guide or the coach on tickets, you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? But at least they had somebody established in Paul Pierce. The Knicks don't even have that. The Knicks don't have a Paul Pierce. Like I said, I think they have two, maybe two and a half guys that are actually going to be on this roster in three years. And Tibbs is the guy you bring in when those pieces are already in place. You just do. And with his relationship with that front office, this feels a little bit like, hey, let's do the distraction because I don't care who you are as an organization. You can sit there and talk about now we have credibility out there in free agency. We have a great mind here. People are going to want to come there. Uh, no, no. Guys are going to go to teams where there's already guys in place to go ahead and win games. So it, it just feels like Tibbs should be higher to the Knicks in a couple of years once the roster is far more established. All right, we're going to talk to Sando here in a second. But first, let's talk about Miller Lite as the original light beer. Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together in real life through Miller Time. Miller Time is a moment for people to come together in real life to connect over a few beers. Everyone is in the same boat. Our favorite local bars are temporarily closed. Events have been canceled and social distancing is in full effect. Miller Lite can still be enjoyed with your people, just not in bars or at gatherings, but staying connected is still important. I'm not staying connected to anybody. It tells, it's asking me to, to what do I need to do to stay connected um, with the people that I'm closest with? I don't have anybody that I'm, you know, I check in on my dad. Uh, you know, Bill and I check in every now and scheduling still wise. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not looking for, it's not a sob story here. I just don't have, uh, I'm not going to lie to you and I'm not going to lie to Miller light. How's that? <laughs> What am I most excited about though I'm excited to get out On a boat where Catamaran Zodiac You name it You know um, Grady White was always kind of the dream boat When I was a little kid Looking at people that could afford them um, But you know what they say about boats Your happiest day is the day you get it And the day you get rid of it Best boat's a friend's boat right Yep You Everyone's heard that before I love when people tell you jokes that are so not original or zingers <laughs> that you're like, yeah, I've heard that. for. And they look at you like, like, where do you think I've been living? A cave? Like, I've, I've heard that before. Like, I'm sorry I'm not really excited. Like, you're not getting the reaction out of me that you want. All right, back to Miller Lite. Miller Lite is the original light beer that tastes great and is less filling, which means it won't get in the way of enjoying time with your people. I prefer Miller Lite because, uh, you know, look, we've had some friends over the years that would order food be like, oh, we're not, hey, we're ordering food. You want anything? No. And then as soon as, like, you take that first break from the just piles of food around you on a delivery order, like, oh, are you done with that? (laughs) That guy doesn't drink Miller Lite. The guys that kicked in are the guys that drink Miller Lite. Miller Lite, the original light beer. While you're home, enjoy a classic available for delivery today. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. It's one of my favorite pieces of any sport uh, each year. And it's Mike Sando of The Athletic Now. Used to work with him back at ESPN. And it's another installment of his QB tiers. And Mike, just so everybody can follow along here, uh, this year it was 50 NFL employees. So if you can expand a little bit on that and how the voting works, the five different tiers, and how this piece comes together every year.
1: Yeah. So this started seven years ago with me going to people that do this for a living and saying, hey, what's important about. The quarterback position. And, and the answers you get sometimes tell you as much about the people as they do the position, as we all know. But in doing that over and over again, uh, we really settled on these five tiers that that uh, most quarterbacks fit pretty cleanly into. And so uh, in for this survey, I've got 50 people, and that's head coaches, general managers, coordinators, personnel directors, a few analytics people, a few front office-like contract negotiator type guys, executives, uh, and so we have each one of them take all of these 35 veteran quarterbacks and put them into one of five tiers. So in the number one tier tier one, you know, Mahomes was a unanimous choice, right? So what does that mean? That means that he is the he's a win because of quarterback, right? You don't win with him. You win because of him. and, he, and if you're behind and there's no play action run game to help you out, there's no tricky scheme, there's no amazing, uh, defense to bail you out. You're de- you got to have two touchdowns in the last eight minutes of the Super Bowl, and we all know where he's going to be on every play, back there throwing that ball, and he can do it. Tom Brady down in the Super Bowl by 25. That's the ultimate tier one. So um, I think people can see what that is. It gets a little confusing, though, because there's some really great football players uh, who can't handle that pure pass element as well. There's a pure pass element to this in the league that's still believed in. And that's when you're down, you got to throw the ball. We can't help you out. Quarterback's got to do it. So as you go down two, three, four, five, uh, your quarterback needs more and more help and context around him to have your team be successful. And then by the time you get to even the third tier, I think there's debate. Can we even win it all with this guy, right? So for years, Andy Dalton was, was was a tier three guy. Now, he might look like a tier two when they're completely stacked around him that year in 2015, but he's a three. Kirk Cousins has been a consistent three and he's he's climbed into the bottom of the two before but really he's a good legitimate starting quarterback but you got to be pretty good on defense usually and you're going to not want him in a pure drop back passing game all the time you're going to want a ton of play action and that type of stuff to help him out so it gets confusing because you can manufacture stats for your quarterback in a system that's very friendly for him but bottom line is what happens when it's all on your shoulders and I think the higher you are, the better tier, the more frequently you can make the difference and win in those situations.
0: Yeah, as I look through it, it kind of confirms two things. It it confirms my thoughts, I think, on a lot of tier three guys that I spent arguing about for years on a daily radio show. But then also, even if it's 50 people that have been getting an NFL check and these are NFL lifers, the disparity of the voting sometimes, you're like, how the hell is an NFL employee giving this quarterback a tier two vote? And it just speaks to that we're all very different. Like, yep. even though we can become consensus on things with, with more voting, there's always a few people that just see somebody completely different. And that can be a topic, never mind just quarterback. So, yep. uh, Mahomes, not to be an editor here, but I almost feel like there needs to be a new tier altogether for him <laughs> uh, because he's that special. And you mentioned the comeback numbers you have in the piece. He had a 5 1 record last year, including the playoffs, when trailing by 10 or more points. The rest of the league was 32, 209, and 1 um he's he's just another level but I'm so happy to see because I thought tier one was a little deep last year I think he had eight quarterbacks that ended up in tier one I don't think the tier one should ever be that many I think it's almost like a cutoff of four or five but the stats have blown up the way they have so I can understand that especially with this many voters but to see Russell Wilson be what now the only the fourth unanimous tier one quarterback it's been Rogers has been Brady Mahomes this year but I love that for Wilson because you know, as I was doing it, revisiting the 2019 on last week's podcast, I went, you know, this guy's just, he's that special. And I, I really think at this stage right now, when I look at the entire field of starters, I would only take Mahomes over him with the drop off of guys like Rogers and Brady.
1: Yep. And sometimes it takes a while to really see it improve it. People, I live in the Seattle area and yeah, I used to cover the Seahawks. So a few years ago, Russell would get a lot of twos and a few people would give him a three and people would ask me how the hell is that? And I said, well, because what people are looking at is the whole context. Early on, he walks in with the greatest defense in the last 20 or 30 years. He walks in with a Marshawn Lynch. People aren't worried about Russell Wilson. He's good. Don't get me wrong. He can do it, but he hasn't had to shoulder it, right, early. Now what's happened? They pay him. The defense falls off to middle of the pack at best. They're probably 20th or whatever. And Marshawn's gone. They've got some backs that are good, but the game plan's on him. He's the reason for everything and they go to the playoffs still every year. They're a player two away from an FC championship game last year. So he gets the full credit now. He gets, he's done it without all that help around him, without all that context of the run game and defense.
0: Rodgers ends up third overall, which isn't bad, but the fact that he had four tier two votes speaks to, as you point out, and many have pointed out statistically, there's some trends now for about two years that are pretty damning, but how different is the evaluation of somebody like Rogers by defensive coaches in comparison to say the offensive side of the ball?
1: What I found is so the four tier two votes for him were like people who'd be more into the numbers and the analytics, you know, front office cat people, um, a couple of younger guys. And there's no doubt the, the numbers, you know, he still has his whatever a bazillion touchdowns and two interceptions. Right. But the overall potency of the offense, um, hasn't been there for a few years. So Um, The defensive guys are still, um, they see no drop-off. I mean, exact same guy. They're scared to death of him. They don't think the weapons are nearly as good around him. And I think, you know, it's not like he has to have weapons to be good because I think he's still good. I mean, no one would say he's not a good starting quarterback, I don't think. But um, to really be elite, the debate now is, uh, has his weaponry fallen below a baseline level to really get the most out of him? Now you also put him in this play-action system that's, built for Tier 3 quarterbacks, right? I mean, it's not necessarily what Andy Reid's doing, you know, to the same degree. So I think there is some debate on him, but overwhelmingly still Tier 1, and, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes in the next couple of years because the clock looks like it's ticking there in Green Bay.
0: The rest of the Tier 1s are Breeze at 4 and Deshaun at 5. Before we get to Deshaun, Breeze, it felt less about the stats and more about the eye test because the stats are still phenomenal. We know he missed a handful of games, but what did some of the evaluators yeah. say about things they're just noticing with him more so last yeah. year
1: than other years? Yeah, I think definitely last year, you know, we've seen the the deep ball sort of go away from them, and there's a little concern or debate over is that him or is that you know who they've got playing wide receiver. People have been talking about him, you know, losing a little bit of strength, I think, the last few years, but he really was outstanding last year i think it got those people that for a couple of years were on the fence and maybe tempted to move them to a two back more firmly in the one there's still a big drop off after rogers he got 17 tier two votes so that's a lot more than combined four for rogers wilson and mahomes but um, he was really good
0: give me the pro and uh anti Deshaun arguments because clearly there's more pro now <laughs> after last year but still some i don't know if it's doubters but you know, it's, not a, it's not a criticism. It's not a knock to say Mahomes light, but that's what I feel like I see when I watch him.
1: Yeah, I I think he was one of the big movers. I did not have a sense going in for sure if he would be the one jumping into the bottom of the first year or if it would be Lamar Jackson or somebody. You figured somebody would, but it became pretty clear early on that I think people perceive that to not be a great situation, right? Not great now ownership now. People are critical of Bill O'Brien. There's not really a GM Uh, you know, they haven't done great with the offensive line for him. Um, there hasn't always been, um, you know, the great, just great offensive creativity, I think, um, from them and now their defense is good, but not just absolutely dominant. And he just wills them to win. I think the last game of the year, uh, well, the second to last game of the year for them when they're down 16, nothing to Buffalo and he wins it. I think that sticks in people's minds. I think that was a big deal for him and helped get him over the top. Yeah, the win-loss part of the
0: evaluation still feels like, I don't know, I, I guess that part of it's always a little disappointing, where you know, we have all of this stuff, we can watch guys, and yet some of the people that are getting a check for this kind of default back to like, you know, whether it's Garoppolo. Well, he's good enough to get you to Super Bowl. You're like, okay, what about everything else? Like, what about Jared Goff's decline? It's like, well, he played in a Super Bowl. I, it feels like there's still guys that can't get past the idea that, yeah, some guys actually win that aren't as good as – quarterbacks that don't win as much. And I know that's, that's not really what the point of keeping score is, but I refuse to believe that every quarterback that wins
1: games is better than the guys that are just in
0: worse situations.
1: Right. I think if you have, if you've been around a while and have done it though, I mean, I think that's natural for people to think, Hey, you know, we, we know that he can be part of that and do it. If you haven't done it and played a long time, there's a little bit of doubt in your mind or, uh, you know, you have done it. That said, Matt Stafford was still in the top 10. He's never won a playoff game. You know, so there's still room for people to look at a guy and, and separate out the team. Um, I think Watson is pretty incredible. You know, I mean, I think he does. I think we do get a sense that he does will them. And while they did have good records for a while without him, remember, they were 9 and 17 for a lot of years. I feel like the there's a feeling like the team, especially maybe defensively, isn't what it was. And he's he's holding it up that they may take a huge drop if it wasn't for him. Not only not be a playoff team, but maybe be a 6 and 10 team. Do you buy that?
0: Yeah, I, I do. I You know, O'Brien is, I think he's more complicated than social media would have you believe because social media just, you know, there's certain people that social media despises and social media thinks Bill O'Brien's like one of the three dumbest human beings in the NFL. And yet when you look at some of the games that he's won with, quarter, with different quarterbacks, you know, when Deshaun either missed games or before Deshaun even showed up, you're like, wow, they won again. Like they won that many games. You know, I don't know if it's just a product of of the rest of the division or what I'm not telling you, O'Brien's the best coach, but there's maybe it's more about the GM part of it. Maybe it's that more criticism comes to the GM and and that takes away from maybe some of the credit for the fact that they seem to win a lot of games every year.
1: Absolutely. You know, one of the criticisms that I heard in just talking about it, I actually, uh, had one of the coaches, um, he wasn't sure what his vote was going to be. And he went back and watched hundreds of snaps with Watson. And then we had a conversation about it. He actually showed me some of the video and, uh, He said, you know, Bill O'Brien was with Tom Brady, you know, and and they really ran a a good offense there. And he said, one of the things he notices watching uh, Houston is it's just a very simplistic scheme in the passing game. And so why is that? Is it because Bill O'Brien doesn't want to do more? Is it because he feels like this is where Deshaun's at uh, and and what he can handle? Um, Is there going to be a progression there? You know, Um, I think that that was an interesting thing to me, Um, just on the more of a coaching level and and how they're scheming I think a lot of teams run simpler schemes we're probably trending that way right I mean we're doing things more for guys what they did in college but uh, that could be something to watch with him and just how does that offense grow
0: I actually thought that was a great point going back to the top of tier one where it was Carroll is probably still a little too reluctant to let Russell Wilson go and if we're talking about the unanimous number two quarterback which again I agree with uh you know there's Other than Mahomes, there's no one I trust as much as as Russell Wilson on like a third and seven late and to make some kind of play. And yet Seattle doesn't seem to want to let him loose um, the way, you know, Houston probably will have to with Deshaun, especially with DeAndre gone. Um, So we'll see what happens without Hopkins. But it's just so crazy in 2020 to think about NFL teams being reluctant to want to move the football when it seems to be just trying to outpace the other team offensively.
1: Yeah, and Pete Carroll wants to have the game close so his good quarterback can win the game late. And they do that all the time, and they have a good record of keeping all the games close. Uh, it's uh, you know one of the highest percentages in the league of not lose, ever losing a game by more than a score, that sort of thing. Uh, but I think there's definitely room for them to become uh, more aggressive offensively. The way I measure that, so I have this pretty cool statistical tool, and I just look at what's your run pass rate, first and second down, the first 28 minutes of the game. It takes out the two-minute, the end of the half, and it takes up the whole second half when, let's face it, time and score differential does start to uh, affect people, right? So that's the pure, to me, first 28 minutes is the pure. It's our choice. Early downs, what are we going to do? And uh, a few years ago, three, four years ago, when they had issues at running back Seattle, Pete Carroll swung more towards the pass, okay? He's always been historically run more towards the pass, and he didn't like the feeling. And so two years ago in 2018, they had the most run-heavy offense in that situation since the Tim Tebow Broncos. I mean, it was as if they had a quarterback on training wheels. And I actually had a half-hour conversation with them at team headquarters about. It. I did a story on it. It was uh, like, "What are you doing?" You know, I mean, and he was like, "Well, well, you know, it was a little extreme, you know." And so they were they this last year they came up to not be historically run-heavy, but they were still in the bottom fourth of the league. And if you look at those other teams that are there. They're all guys that don't have great quarterbacks. They're all like trying to hide their quarterbacks. So there's definitely some room for that. I think Pete probably, especially around here in Seattle, gets too much of a bad rap. I mean, I think he does no, have a better feel for how to win the games than the guys on Twitter who have are great with stats. I do believe yeah. that. Yeah, let's, let's face it. That includes me th- and that includes all of right. us. Running
0: on first down now, though, is just... You know you're you're opening yourself up for criticism if you're built that way if if you're Baltimore and we'll get to them here in a second, we get to tier two and Lamar, which may surprise some people but uh i I don't know that you can afford to stay run heavy on first down you know in being that predictable and uh, i would I would think that criticism of Pete, although I understand it it's ignoring that there's bigger factors that go into play of being somebody like Pete Carroll, who kind of has everybody rowing in the same direction, like the yep. stuff that's a little harder to quantify that I feel like those personalities, those coaches that get all of that stuff and run that locker room, like they almost don't get enough, cre- enough credit for it because you can't come up with a formula to to compare who's yeah. who, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. He's a great program builder. And I think he's not a great manager of the game always, you know, the timeouts, all that stuff. And I think this is one area where, because he's got this quarterback, he probably should slide that dial and at least be at the league average for for throwing it early in the game on early downs. Um, it's a few plays a game. It's not like it's every play. It's a few, just shift a few plays over.
0: Brady coming in at Tier 2. I wonder if he'd be Tier 2 if he were still on New England.
1: Ah, that's a great, that's really a great question. I almost feel somewhat better about him going to Tampa with all the weapons. I know it's a bad off season and a different system. I have concerns about them being able to protect him. You know, if you just think of a Bruce Arians quarterback, that was one of the things in there, they get hit. Carson Palmer, luck, uh, Roethlisberger. That's not what he needs to have happening right now. So I'm a little concerned by that. I think you make a fair point. He he probably would have, I think, slid, um, uh, to where he's at because, Last year they didn't have good weapons and and people felt like he didn't prop it up enough. Now twenty two people still gave him a tier one, but um, you know maybe a little revealing. Maybe it's a year early. I don't know. Yeah, maybe
0: it's right. I mean, maybe he should yeah. have been tier two last year. Uh, that's yeah. fine. But you know the yeah. Brady part that that I've done plenty of, of time, probably too many segments on and arguing, you know, whose fault is it for the decline? Well, whatever it was, the decline was there. Uh, I doubt Bill would be so willing to kind of move on contractually where there really wasn't any negotiation if Bill thought he was like a surefire one and the weapons of the situation. Well, let me stop at the weapons. The weapons are clearly better, but I thought some of the insight was probably. I, I, I love the breakdown on Brady from your sources on this as much as anybody, because We can talk about Arians and chucking the ball down the field, but that's not really who Brady has been. So even though the weapons are better and Brady could be motivated, I mean, look, hell, this guy wakes up every day motivated. But I don't know that we've spent enough time talking about conceptually how bad a fit it may be for the way a quarterback and his head coach see the game.
1: Yeah. And that was, I thought one of the great points in the piece from somebody was, Hey, who's this James White? Where's that outlet guy, right? That he can get the ball out too quick. I think that's going to be critical and meshing together what he does well and fits him versus just running Bruce Arians offense. I mean, those are all things that we're not going to have a field. There's no preseason. There's no training camps. There's going to be training camp, but we're not going to probably see it as well as we might've otherwise. So uh, I think those are all great questions with him. I do think he still is a good drop back passer. So if he has guys that are open and can drop back and throw it, I think he can do that he can he can do that effectively. I what I love about, you know, we talked about do people read too much into wins or did some, does somebody's pedigree help them? I I sort of love the fact that Tom Brady goes to tier two. Yeah you know, I mean to me that shows people are not just checking the box on Tom Brady again and he's a tier one until he's until two years after he's any good. I sort of like that. I mean Watson ahead of him that's pretty cool to me
0: yeah i i don't i'm i'm with you there and it kind of is back to that point like i don't like the you know like mel kuyper's one of my favorite human beings i've ever met at espn but he used to argue every year when we do these radio shows together coming into the college football season that whoever won the previous year should come into the season preseason number one and i'd be yeah, like what why? are you talking about like if the quarterback's gone the coach yeah. is gone say they lose 12 guys to the draft they yeah. should be number one And and that's that's kind of the same thing and It is funny how guys that run teams can still default to that. I remember this is unrelated, but it's it's one of my first lessons in talking to somebody in a front office. Two thousand two, my first year in the business, working for the Trenton Thunder. It was a Red Sox affiliate, and all these Red Sox front office guys would come in, and you know I'm twenty six. You know, not that anybody's it nobody knows me because there's nobody supposed to know me. And, you know, Ben Sherrington would be awesome to me. There was another first base coach for the Sox. And then we became like a scouting guy, Dave Jouse. He was incredible. And Doug Melvin, who was the Rangers GM, and then came over after he was out of that gig to like just be a scouting coordinator with the Red Sox. And I'm so aggressive and excited. And, you know, I'm up in this area because I'm in the stadium every day. That's my office. And I find him and, you know, I wanted to work in a front office. So I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Doug Melvin's brain. And I was like, so you're know, you you're coming down and looking at the pitching, and that A staff wasn't very deep with arms. I go, is it really about stockpiling arms more and more than ever before? And he just looks at me and goes, well, they keep track of runs. <laughs> and, and it didn't matter what I said, because if I had said, hey, it's about building a lineup one through nine, he'd go, still got to get people out. It didn't matter what I said. It was yeah. going to be wrong. And I don't really blame him, but I imagine like, this kind of speaks to some of the stuff that even though you have access to so many guys all these years of doing this, there have to be
1: moments where you go, this guy has no depth whatsoever to to evaluating this. Sure. After seven years, you get a feel for, uh, you know, who you want to have in it or not, you know, but I, you can sometimes start to tell, you can almost start to fill out someone's ballot occasionally after you get the first five guys, you sort of, Oh, this is kind of how he sees it. (laughs) You know, sometimes you do see that. Hey,
0: guys, where's Lamar Jackson, the MVP? All right, we're going to get to that in a second. But sports are back, and you can find all the action on FanDuel. I've been watching uh, all the Red Sox games, so my excitement's gone. MLB is here, NBA right around the corner this week. Whether you've been with FanDuel for a while or you're new to the experience, FanDuel has two great ways to win that you won't want to miss. First off, FanDuel is adding $10 in free bets to every account. No deposit required and no strings attached. In addition to your $10 bonus, FanDuel is also giving you a day of risk-free betting. That means you can place any bets you want on baseball, basketball, and hockey and get up to $100 back on your total losses. Um, I think... We have that new Ringer Odds Boost that I know it's in the ad, and you're like, "Hey, that's why you're talking it up." That's for anybody that gambles to get that kind of bump on a money line for the Ringer Boost that we have for that Celtics Bucks game. That's a great number; it just is. Um, and so I don't, you know, I don't know what else to tell you, man. Ask your buddies that if you don't have an account, go. Hey, did you see this Ringer bump on Fanduel? They're going to say that's actually really good. We should go do that. So there you go. If you already have a Fanduel Sportsbook account, then you're all set. Just use your $10 bonus and day of risk-free betting before they expire on August 2nd. And if you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, then what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and be sure to sign up with the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N, so they know I sent you. That's promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. Must be 21 or older, present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, West Virginia, and Colorado. Offer ends August 2nd, 2020. So... Not much time left. $100 max refund issued in site credit and expires in seven days. $10 bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires on August 2nd, 2020. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado? Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana? one 800 9 with it and In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. All right, so we got to get to Lamar because one evaluator has him, quote, the most dominant guy in the NFL right now, and yet he has 16 tier one votes, two uh-huh. tier, uh, excuse me, uh, 31 tier two votes. And there's still three people voting him yeah. at tier three, his voting. When I went back and looked at 2019, uh, it was even lower than I thought it would be a year later. I still have some questions about Lamar, but how wide is the debate on somebody who put together an unbelievable leap from year one to two in the
1: MVP? Well, yeah. Yeah, so a year ago he's in tier four because tier four is for two types of quarterbacks, the bad guy, the guy, you know, the veteran Fitzpatrick who you don't think is a great starter, or it's for someone who hasn't played a lot. So that's why some of these guys, like even Mahomes, a couple of years ago was a four because we haven't seen enough after one start. Right. So don't read too much into that. I think everybody agrees on what Lamar Jackson is. He's an absolutely dominant force who, uh, through a, an amazingly well-suited scheme that takes advantage of his running and exactly the types of passes that he can do very well scores a ton of points and is a dominant force in the game. So tier 1 football player, no doubt about it. What you get into when it's quarterback tiers is the moments we're talking about where you still have to prove you, when all that stuff gets stripped away. So we're not we're not evaluating him with greg roman we're evaluating him when it doesn't matter that greg roman's there because we're down in the game and we got to throw our way to win and so when you strip away all that context that helps make him unbelievably a unique player in the league um do you have somebody who you're willing to put in tier one yet and there's a lot of people from a lot of spectrums uh in, in the nfl in, from different backgrounds playing uh personnel evaluating who we'll put him at two right now uh, until that part of it comes along. I think it's amazing that he's a top seven quarterback after one year as a starter. I mean, that's really to me that's really great. Um, question is going to be: Then does he just jump? Is it a natural ascension? He does it again. They go into tier one. What if they? What if he has the same type of year? Doesn't win a playoff game again because the, it falls apart. They're behind and he doesn't. People don't think he's going to throw in those situations.
0: The most revealing quote on on Lamar breakdown though really was it was almost as if give Baltimore all the credit in the world for creating this scheme where he puts together this year but then that basically got turned into a negative where it's if you have to do this much to get it to work and this is where I can understand like a Ravens fan or somebody that's all in on Lamar like some evaluators that you talk to, you have one guy who's like, look, I loved him right out of college because he had the it factor, like I wasn't as worried yep. about the accuracy stuff. But it's funny that yet this entire year he blows the league away, other than the playoff game, because it was bad. Um, that, that can be held as a negative as if he's still being propped up more
1: than say a traditional tier one. <sighs> yeah, that is. I mean, I I think there's everyone recognizes everyone agrees he should be the MVP. I mean, I don't think anyone's trying to uh, you know, find holes in his game, but the tier one quarterback, quote, can carry his team each week. Yeah, Lamar does that. Team wins because of him. Yeah, I think that's true. Expertly handles peer pass situations. Eh, I don't know that we know that, you know, and so that's a big deal. When you look at those guys in that top tier, I, I think there's questions on Deshaun on that too, proving that. But Mahomes, Wilson, rogers Uh, those guys can stand back there and and throw the football when they have to do it. Now everything's stripped away. So I think that's just a, how do you view, there's a good quote in there. How do you view the position? If you want to have your own tier one and say that doesn't matter to you, fine. But it still matters to enough people in the NFL that they want to see that happen better before they put them up there.
0: The rest of tier two, we got Roethlisberger who drops down, you know, that to me is injuries and then coming in at 38. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was basically, uh, body shaming one of the quotes where it said he saw him in the tunnel and he had a beard and looked a little heavy and he's like he looked like an offensive lineman and then the evaluation spun into well he shaved the beard and
1: he's posting some videos i'm like what the hell is that so i don't know that's that felt a little specific and not i put some entertainment value in there yeah there's Good. some essential yes. quotes from there but I, I i think this is fun you know i try to be fair like if you're going to allow somebody to take a shot you know i try to balance it out you know and and not be just unfair to guys but some of those things i think are funny so i think ben ben is very well secure and he's probably going to the hall of fame i think a little joke here there's okay
0: yeah i think he'll. well you never know with ben he'd he'd been pretty sensitive (laughs) on social media or at least the guy that ran his account all right stafford nine that's about right my guy matt ryan still some people just you know the ryan one for me is when i read it i go are you guys paying any attention to the injuries like i know it's ridley and jones but you had an unbelievable stat on Ryan where the year he won the MVP he had a career low 13 fourth quarter passes while trailing last year he had 102 pass attempts trailing in the fourth quarter uh second most in the league behind Andy Dalton and i get the ryan negativity but there's there's like, like only a line that i will accept for him because i still think talent wise but you know when when you put this list together this is what I love about 50 votes. I feel like he kind of lands where he's supposed to. And maybe I'm just arguing against some of the dissenters, the eight votes to put him in tier three.
1: Absolutely. And so like with him, he, his average tier is 2.08 Stafford's ahead of him at 2.04. You know, I don't think we would move him ahead of Ben and Lamar and Brady right now. You know what I mean? So I think he's about right where he should be. Um, I did sense a feeling that, you know, people think that that there's some physical decline, you know, and talking about his athleticism a little bit. So Um, there's some of that, but, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe I was a little too glass half, uh, empty on, on the write up on him. But I think that's just sort of reflects how people feel too, you know, that it's, he's still good, but maybe we've seen the best of him.
0: Wens checks in at 11, still tier two. He had five tier one votes, 35 tier two, and then 10 tier three votes. Um, Mm -hmm. he was tier two last year, but did you get the sense people, I don't know if it's getting tired of him, but tired of defending him in the way they have in the past. And it's, I, I, one thing I had said, and Andy Benoit has been on this, and, and I think there's so many ex quarterbacks that are on TV that are so blown away with, with physical things that he shows you with some of the throws that they become protective of him. And if you want to talk injuries, I mean, what he had to throw to towards the end of the year is well documented. But some of the tone of the quotes, I almost felt like people were kind of feeling like this year might be the last year they have his back unless he just totally breaks through again. And bringing up Foles, like one guy bringing up Foles and I'm thinking like, all right, we're still doing this. I mean, he lit up a Pat's defense that you know, whatever. I, you know, I don't think that Wentz would have not been able to light up that Pat's defense at that point, but, um, I don't know. The Wentz thing feels like it's kind of a make or break year for him as far as his status.
1: Yeah. I'm with you. And I wondered if he was going to get downgraded more this year, you know, I I almost thought going in that maybe Dak would come out ahead of him and Dak's one spot behind him. So I
0: thought Dak would be ahead of him too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what felt to me is like, I feel like uh, I, like I would put Dak ahead of him. I, I, I've, my patience is running a little um, lower on it because uh, – and look, it's not – he played – he started 16 games last year. It's not like he played four games. So he got hurt in the playoffs again. And I think it's a familiar narrative that he just has to shake. You know, you can easily say every year he's played football going back to high school, he's had an injury, right? I mean, so I think he has to – on the other hand, Dax played every game. So if he misses games and they don't – they're not a good team this year, I would almost guarantee Dax ahead of him unless the same thing happens to Dax. <laughs>
0: Two of the worst votes so far. I have like five votes that I think are just atrocious. Philip Rivers checks in at 13. I don't have a problem necessarily with that. That feels kind of high, but he got one tier one vote. Yeah. Who? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, yeah, I, know you can't yeah. tell. I know you can't tell us, but yeah. that, is, that is lofty. To,
1: to keep rivers up there because i think oh, you know yeah it's why you talk ahead. to 50 people you may get a guy who just loves rivers you know and you know what if i was just talking to him and doing this it would be a crappy article right <laughs> he's he's one guy the rest of his votes might be good and uh yeah that's the way it works out i mean i think last year jared goff got a one or something you know i mean you're gonna get an outlier thing look cam newton got a five you know at one point you know in the process i mean it is what it is it's a, it's an outlier vote Uh And yeah, I don't know how you could say Rivers is a one right now.
0: Top of Tier 3, again, you have the description, a Tier 3 quarterback, legitimate starter, but needs a heavier running game and or defensive component to win a lower-volume drop-back passing. Offense suits him best. I thought Baker... I have a hard time with anybody just after a year saying, okay, this is who you are and this is where we're voting. And we definitely get excited about newer. I mean, the same thing happens in basketball all the time. Somebody flashes you a year. But no one in basketball, like as a rookie, really has the role of what a quarterback would have. I think Kyler at the top of Tier 3... And there's so much I like from him last year. But then one tier one vote, I was really surprised. Not so much that he's in tier three, but at the top of it, and then especially a tier one vote.
1: Yeah, some of these, like when I'm tabulating, I'm a, you forget who the votes are. I'm like, who gave him the one? It's not an Arizona guy. No, it wasn't an Arizona guy. So, um, But yeah, that seems early. I mean, you're going to get somebody who's excited. And occasionally, too, here's what happens sometimes. You get some guys who have just an easier, easier uh, grading thing. And they'll have like more ones and twos than others. I've noticed that, you know, and sometimes you'll get like an offensive play or, you know, a great offensive coach who thinks he can win with almost anybody. You know, give me that guy. Yeah. He's a two, you know, and that's the outlier, but occasionally you'll, you'll get that. So I can't even remember who gave Murray the one, but there's excitement for him. I think people really, um, you know, people did not come into this going, oh, he's too small. You know, maybe Russell Wilson paved the way on that, even though he looks smaller uh, than Russell to me. Definitely. Um, but he, he's, uh, I think there's optimism and and uh, good for him after one, you know, after only one year. Do you see him as what lo- should be lower or? No, I guess
0: the tier one vote, you know, back to back rivers and then and then Murray 19-2s and twos is
1: good for him. Nineteen twos is
0: really good, but it happened with Baker last year, and I was more impressed. I think now looking back, and maybe I'm allowing yeah. two to impact my Baker thing, but I, I think we got really too carried away with Cleveland beating bad teams and Baker beating bad teams. But it's a great point. It's I really also, a great point. Yeah, yeah, I, and I look. I was I kind of. I kind of screwed it up, and then when they were struggling, I'm like, "Let me go back and look at last year." I go, "These teams were terrible," and we got so excited off this run, but then you factor in the Freddie Kitchens thing. And I know some guys that know Freddie really well, and they told me you'd love to hang out with him, Ryan. You'd love this guy. I can't. I love him. I can't believe he's a freaking head coach in the NFL.
1: So (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It was. It was uh a. Put it this way if everything had been great you know if everything had been stable for him he probably would have looked better and maybe he'd be you know higher in it but i think you're right that we shouldn't overreact after one year i i, I would probably say there's a there's a more talented skill set with kyler murray you know just in terms of his athleticism uh probably throwing the football that may validate it yeah it yeah. may validate him a little bit more being up there and to where i feel maybe a little better about it baker seemed to come on so all of a sudden he was the number one pick in the draft and we're saying he's going to be, he's a two, you know, and I felt like that was fast.
0: I'm just big on like two years of, of sample, uh, before I would even take any, I mean, unless it's Andrew luck after a rookie year where you didn't think that team was going to win any games. I think they won 11 games his rookie year. And you're just like, Oh, okay. I guess, you know, not only is the evaluation, right? Like he's going to make this big of a difference immediately. I would have a hard time voting anybody tier one, um, or maybe the top of tier two. So let's, let's, uh, Let's go to Kirk Cousins because it's my favorite quote. It is a tier three last year, which I said last uh, podcast that Cousins should get tier three tattooed across his neck. He is 15th overall. That's exactly where he is. I felt like for years I would argue with Danny Cannell, my former co-host about who Cousins was. And we were probably saying the same thing and it is summed up perfectly from one evaluator. Um, oh wait, you have a defensive coach who says this. It's perfect. The quote is you don't ever go into a game going boy, I don't know what we're going to do about this fucking cousins. (laughs) doesn't mean he's a bad player, legit starter, but needs some shit around him. There you go.
1: That is a, you know, that is a test. Like how much of the defensive coordinator game plan is like, look, dude, you, we have got to do X, Y, and Z. We're going to put in a new coverage this week. You know? And I, I think that there's a lot of good quarterbacks. Cousins is among them who you don't do that for. And that's, you know, even we're talking about Kyler a minute ago. I think you can see in the next two years, maybe we have to have a special plan for him. You know? um, and most of those guys at the top, you're going to have a special plan for. And we start getting into the third tier. And there is one of the, one of the things that came up. One of the phrases a few guys used was you know, just a dude. And I think that's probably a little derogatory, but it's what tier three means.
0: Yeah. And it's, and it's okay if you're a team, especially that hasn't had stability at that position, and you want to pay for Cousins and bring him in. Mm-hmm. i get it but um the new orleans win was incredible but you know what he did the the game after that and whatever it, it's been yeah it's been over it's my jay cutler thing where every year we go into another season with jay cutler and because he was usually a new coach we would be like well you know wait until you see what trustman's going to do with this guy he's really innovative you know and, and the next year it's like ah, we're going to simplify things but like ah they're really going to open it up and you're just like look jay's Jay's not better than these 10, 11, 12 guys. He just isn't. And why we keep yeah. arguing against the evidence never makes any sense. Okay, Garoppolo, I feel like, might be a precursor to some of the stuff that we're already talking about. He's at 17 um, tier 2 votes. He got 12 of those. Tier 3 votes, he got 37. He actually did get one tier 4 vote. Um, good, not great season. Yeah. Uh, Garoppolo had a great season. He had the fourth quarter comebacks that you reference here, four of them, which was the most, according to Pro Football Reference. But... I couldn't stand this quote from a coach saying Love quote it. Super Bowl quarterback he's doing something right. <laughs> his own coach who has no poker face I think told us throughout the year without necessarily like really having to go deep in it that he just he felt like his own guy had limitations despite how many wins they were putting together and maybe should have won a Super Bowl. And I think it's okay to say yes yeah, sometimes a not great quarterback is in that position.
1: Yeah, I I didn't want to, you know, you don't want to pile on, but I I was thinking too uh You know, Kyle Shanahan's affinity for the Tier 3 quarterback goes back to the fact that Cousins was his first choice before he knew he could get Garoppolo, right? I mean, uh, he's perfectly comfortable with that type of a guy. And I think in fairness to uh, Garoppolo, though, um, he's got one full season as a starter. So, you know, we talked about Cutler 10 years or Cousins after five, six years of starting. Garoppolo has one full season as a starter. And I feel like he's been around more. We've seen more. Maybe this is exactly what he is. But he came in higher this year than last year a little lower than where he was two years ago when people speculated off of five games or whatever it was. But like, I think one of the guys sitting there, there's no, there's no shame in where he's at and saying what he is, you know, and let's see if he can do more and grow.
0: Cam, you mentioned uh, this disparity really uh, probably is as much disparity as anyone. I think that's in this and it's 35 yeah. quarterbacks that you have. Cam has uh 14 tier two votes, 29 tier three, six tier four and a tier five vote that I Like, even the most doubtful person about Cam, I have to imagine they just think health-wise he's never going to be the same. Yeah, they just thought he
1: was done or something, you know. And on some of these, you know, so Cam gets signed, you know, I probably had a few ballots in before Cam gets signed or whatever, you know. So we're doing this over a period of time. That's possible on him.
0: Yeah, and and sorry to interrupt because I actually thought the way, because we had been talking about you coming on, I I probably jumped it because I thought like, oh, he'll go up just because the Belichick thing. And if yeah. you were getting some of these votes before that happens, then maybe I a few, it, yeah. he's just out
1: there. Yeah. I just think there's a really uncertainty. So you'll have some people, you know, let's say you're a GM and I'm talking to you and you could say, you know, and cam, I, I just have to go off of what I, you know, the last time he was healthy. So you, I'm giving him a two. I thought he was playing really well. Another guy goes, you know, he hasn't been healthy for long enough now that, you know, I, I mean, to me, he's kind of an unknown. I'm going to give him a four, put him in that category where we don't have enough information. Cause this is almost like a new player. And someone else says, "Well, you know, I think he's. I think it's fair to give him a three for what he's done. I think he's been a solid two, but we can't do, say that because he's been out for a while. So I'll just give him a three. You know what I mean? That, that's sort of the range of this. And I think the bottom line is we don't know for sure what he's going to be. I thought it was interesting the observation in there about his weight. You know, is he still going to be a big tank who's going to run over people and and bring that element of power running, or is there going to be a lighter, leaner uh, version of that?"
0: Yeah, that was an interesting quote. Uh, I don't think he's Superman anymore. A coach who placed Newton in Tier 3 said, he said, quote, remember when Kaepernick became vegan, changed his body, and just wasn't as dynamic of an athlete anymore? Cam was 265 and bigger than everybody. He looks skinny now like he's 235 and wants to have ripped abs, and that's his choice, is he going to have that power running element. I want ripped uh, abs. I know. I Look, we all do. <laughs> but uh,
1: I don't know that he dropped 30 pounds. That, yeah. that seems look, to be... We don't know. The bottom line is, we don't know. I mean, he hasn't been any. You know, we're looking at him. We're trying to size him up. Um, you know, we don't know. So I'm fine with where he's at. I mean, I'm glad he didn't come in as a four or didn't come in as a high two. I mean, we, we don't know. He's in the middle until he comes out of it.
0: I'm more worried about his weapons lack of than uh, what his abs look like right now as far as what tier he's going to be in. Derek Carr, who probably hates this exercise as much as anybody after he was seventh in 2017, that feels like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, he's 20th. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's a lot more to even go on there. So let's, let's just keep moving. Baker comes in at 21, which is a drop Mm -hmm. for him. Still six tier two votes, but six tier four votes, the rest of them in tier three. How much of this do you think is related to his, his, like, we know what the, I, I can make the argument of the on the field stuff and what I saw, but it feels like some of this is more personality driven. Um, where, you know, you'd start losing these games and you have the same personality when you were the next big thing and everybody's headline NFL story because you were so excited about the Browns, but we don't win games and you're young and you have the attitude that he has, which we can say is, you know, make arguments for or against it. Um, It's going to hold, it's it's basically become a
1: negative because the team was such a disaster. I think there's some of that, you know, I included a quote from somebody who had an issue with that. That wasn't something I heard from 20 guys though. You know, I mean, it was just one element that I wanted to put in there talking about his maturity. I think, you know, you, the, a fair criticism was that they were pretty good at the skill position. And if you're all that, if you're a two, maybe he would have persevered through all those things we talked about that were wrong. Better, um, I think this year we'll see. You know, it's, hopefully we'll see if there's a you know a full season and all that. and they get to practice um, with Stefanski. It's going to be a quarterback easier offense. Take some pressure off.
0: Josh Allen. 22 overall, great number here on his running where he ran it 18% of the time, second in the NFL for quarterbacks, only behind Lamar, who ran it 29% of the time. That's a, that's a massive jump if you think about running on a third of the plays. I personally don't see it. I, I understand all the physical stuff, but I think he has – I'd be shocked if there's, there's a lot of progression Um, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of think he is who he is. And maybe in two, I would bet more on Buffalo going, maybe we have to replace this guy in two years. Then it's a massive extension. Yeah.
1: Yeah, He made a pretty good jump from last year, um, out of the fours into the threes. And maybe that, maybe what we're saying is we think he's sort of going to be a three who's limited, uh, you know, what scares me about him is when he runs, he gets blown up. It's like, he's a heavyweight fighter swinging for the fences and doesn't play defense. You know what I mean? He really gets smashed. So. Um, how long can you do that? Uh, and I think that can play into a little bit of just instincts for the position and instincts, you know, for the, for the game that I'm not a hundred percent sure is his strongest suit. So um, they built up a good team around him, you know, defensively, he hasn't had to do as much. Um, they've shown they can win with them. But I think our question is how far can you go? Is he going to hold you back in the end? And maybe this next season, they got digs and a little bit more to it. Maybe it answers some of those questions.
0: This is an interesting one because you look at the two New York quarterbacks. Darnold checks in at 24. Daniel Jones checks in at 25. Uh, Jones actually got one Tier 2 vote. Darnold had two Tier 2 votes. But the breakdown, when you read it, despite the order, I think you leave the piece feeling much better about Daniel Jones than you do Darnold. But yeah. Darnold stuff felt very negative.
1: Yeah. Um, the Darnold. Yeah. I, I think I, I was sort of asking people, who do you like better, you know, than Foles or Jones or, I mean, Jones or Darnold and they did go with Jones. Jones is a little bit lower score because he's only played less than one season. So people put him in that tier four, you know, it's sort of a bailout thing if you haven't played enough. And so it dragged down But I think with Darnold, they said, Hey, we've seen him. We kind of think he's a three, but almost in a bad way because we want him to be a two. Um, I think in fairness to Darnold it hasn't been a great situation. So let's give him a year where he doesn't have mono I would love to see them have more weapons for him. I think he, one of my notes in there, they haven't had a pro Bowl player in offense in the last four seasons 16, 17, 18, 19. That, that's really hard. You need a base. We're talking about Brady and Rogers weapons, Well, their weapon, his weapon, their weapons are probably better than this guy's weapons, you know? And we need to, we need to maybe uh, be fair to him.
0: Two more things before we finish up, because, you know, we can run through the Kyle Allen comes in last, did him, you know, TBD on that. I thought some of the stuff on Haskins was actually pretty positive, despite him being at the bottom here. He hasn't played enough. Mitch, I can see people kind of being over, although there was still some hope. Minshew gets beat up pretty bad here, or even more so Jacksonville, um, making fun of Jacksonville, thinking that he could have been the guy. But is there one part of this over the seven years that you felt like hey this is a real change where shooting in the nba has been prioritized putting as many scores out there as possible and granted that's five people but has there been a shift that you see with the way quarterbacks are talked about that kind of stands out in almost a decade of doing this
1: yeah i think we've seen you know the peyton manning age out brady starting to age out of tier one so if you really look at tier one everybody but breeze who's gonna phase out of here um can beat you with their legs too you know, so if you look at Mahomes, Wilson, Rodgers, and Watson, you sort of have to have an off-schedule game plan for them too, sometimes really prominently. Uh, I think that we're going to see more and more of that because uh, there's just more players like that coming out. Um, look at this. One, two, you know, three of the five tier one are African-American quarterbacks, four of the top seven are. Um, so those are shifts and things that we wouldn't – we didn't even, didn't even bring that up because it's like normal now, but I think that wouldn't have been normal, um, you know, at one point. Yeah. I mean, there are times
0: I think I looked at the MVP race this year and I go, I think it's four black quarterbacks at the top. And I, I don't think yeah. there was really any argument about it. And it's yeah. awesome that it's, um, well, I shouldn't say it's awesome. It's happened so quickly because it really didn't happen very quickly at all. But then when it did happen, it was like, oh, okay, this is where we're at now in the league. Because it, whenever, and I know as two white guys sitting around and, um, you know, sometimes doing the show, you know i go wait is that really about race is that really about race but then it was like do i ever want to tell warren moon it wasn't about race you know of course not oh exactly i mean what happened six of the
1: top yeah six of the top 14 quarterbacks and and you figure brady and breeze are going to be exiting the next couple years you know what i mean
0: Um, yeah and look we'll see what happens with kyler and um you know the next the next class that's coming out and i don't know it's it's been rivers uh, will be leaving you know yeah, it's been a long time coming and it's been incredible because it's basically, you know, we're looking at maybe the top five, top four or five guys moving forward for many years. Is there a story, is there a a phone call in the process of putting all this stuff together that I'm basically asking for your best story that you got from somebody in putting this together? Because, I mean the great thing about these jobs is some of the stuff that we get and I'm not asking you, Hey, share the thing that you you didn't really share, but the moment where it reminds you like how cool the job is getting everybody's input on this.
1: Yeah. So I'll give you two. So one of them, uh, the first year I did it, I was going around to, to teams and I was in a head coach's office and I had the spreadsheet with all these guys and my tears on it. And, uh, I was like, uh, I could see the coach was like, ooh, he was like really interested. He came around and actually took my laptop, and he's sitting there with it on, my, on his lap, and he's looking at this, and he's going through and around like, oh, kind of onto something here, you know, when a, when a top head coach is, is doing that. And then in this process this year, um, I had one guy gave Deshaun Watson a three initially. And I was like, wow, dude, you're the, you know, after it was done, I don't, I don't like to influence people's votes. You know, I, I don't go back and say, Hey, you're the only guy. Yeah. But I said, you know what, if you're going to, I said, you're kind of screwing up my sheet here because none of those guys have threes that are through him. Um, you better, I want a great reason, you know? And, and so uh, he, I don't think his team had maybe faced him this past year, but the guy went back and watched 480 plays or 400 500 plays Watson this last year. And came back and we had a discussion about it and he said you know um he is two here's why here's why i don't think he's a one and uh that's awesome to me you know that's just a fun part of this thing to to just get to learn and really make sure that we're getting it right you know when somebody has a uh like if he could give me a great explanation for why he's a three i would have included it you know but he actually we did the work and so that that was pretty fun
0: um Hey, that was awesome. Like I said, you know, I I was great that this timed out perfectly. You can follow Mike's stuff at Sando NFL and please check out the piece on The Athletic, the 2020 QB tiers from 50 sources in the NFL. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, this life advice, we could do this deal where we just keep following up with people that have sent in um, emails. I mean, the vast majority of them are people worrying about um, career stuff. And you know, I get it, man, but maybe uh, it's almost like a support group. So, we're going to do one of those because the guy's from Nantucket, and I just felt like you know, it, it speaks to me a little bit. Um, even though I'm not a native vineyarder by, by any means, trust me, they will uh, remind me of that all the time that I wasn't born there. Uh, Michael checks in, he goes, Hey, I want to <laughs> listen to last week's life advice. Did you hear that one, Kyle? The guy said he had eight figures in the bank and he was just sort of bored. that was his advice like what should i do with it yeah no not he didn't want my investment advice Uh, he just wanted to let you know he needs it yeah he was just older he was like you know i'm the opposite of a loser i'm a total winner and then he was like i mastered poker i was sick at golf and now i don't know what to do so i told him to start flipping houses or something i you know i I didn't (laughs) what i told him is I, i thought that it was great that he needed something every day to be driven I think retirement for so many of us is I want to wake up and never have to think about anything. Um, but there's a lot of people that would be like, I'd I'd rather be unsuccessful than wake up and never have any challenges. So, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So Michael checking in, he goes, last week's advice with the older, very successful guy who may be in a rut. I thought it was insightful. Excellent advice. My reading is a guy like this needs stakes poker. Well, he already did that some gambling on the golf course, some skin in the game, flipping house is going to force him to put enough money in up front to get his competitive juices up, have a long time horizon to stay invested and the potential to get his hands dirty on some level or another. My dad is wired similarly, not quite as wealthy, but similar profile. He gets into volunteer organizations. That was also great. Cause the guy admitted, I'm not saying it's great that he's not volunteering. Um, because if anybody that's ever done it, when you do it, you're like, yeah, this is kind of why people do it, man. It makes you reset a little bit and appreciate some of the things you have. I mean, it really does happen if you do volunteer. Um, i would i would recommend it but um our guy was like yeah i don't want to volunteer (laughs) so this guy emailing goes, his father gets into volunteer organizations and figure out how to be in charge of them and sets high fundraising goals all right so that's that's pretty good so a little uh little recommendation there as a follow-up okay let's do our nantucket guy here phrasing we'll call this guy jay um Big fan. All right. Grew up on Nantucket, so I feel like you're someone who understands my perspective and can shed some light on some of the issues that have been mulling inside of me for a while now. Mom and dad went to Nantucket High School. Shout out to the Whalers. Now, some of these guys are so young now. It's like, is there any chance I played against? Probably not his mom, um, but I probably, you know, who knows? I could have played against his dad and something. I said his dad has a successful kind of family business um, and also works as a carpenter in the offseason. All right. Money's not an issue. Uh, but as you know, it can't be said for most of my friends from home. That is certainly the case. I, I, no one cares, but um, it is it is a very challenging uh, economic deal to be a year round person without you know money and, and trying to figure out how to do it. Some people would say just move from Nantucket. Um, but you know, there's also my siblings love the vineyard, uh, uh, except for my brother. I have my other siblings. You know, there's there's always this thing uh, about places like this and i think there's places like this all over the world but um i see firsthand people that grow up in the vineyard like they have this real hardcore emotional attachment that's different than maybe just another place that's home for other people because the lifestyle is uh is you know it's it's very different it's different so all right um this is cool he goes i am someone there i was a smart kid i was captain of the football team all right regular at parties where i do some off the wall things ryan i won't dive into details but i was a fucking menace all right this guy's real badass uh while most of my friends stayed on the island after high school and college i was determined to make an impact and went to a uh, university where i didn't fit in all summer kids i fucking hate summer kids all right but summer kids can be a lot of fun when they have sick houses and you become friends with them and you get to go to their parties just a tip that's what i did um i got through it and graduated with less well, because none of the locals like me when i moved there um I got through it and graduated with a civil engineering degree and a job um, where I I find the work meaningful. Okay. I work for a big company, construction company. That's cool. Overseas budgets, uh, construction of nonprofits and schools and low-income neighborhoods. Wow. Okay. I'm working on a budget for a large homeless shelter in the city. No big deal once again true all right so he's making fun of himself complimenting the fact that they're doing something really great here i like the job and really good at pre-construction process Or someone who only has one year of experience my boss thinks i have a bright future with this company whatever that means he probably says that to everyone who proves themselves capable or maybe you suck and he's just trying to motivate you don't be afraid of that because i remember yeah no i i don't believe you suck because i could kind of my my senses is, is that this is the truth but he already told like a us side this. note. yeah this guy's rules but <laughs> this guy sucked no way Not Jay, Um, but I'm just telling you for the younger folks that are out there, I'll never forget when one of my college roommates, he was working for some startup and it was one of these classic deals where he'd heard the rumor like, dude, you hear about his stock options? be like yeah but like what do they do again be like oh they're inventing yellow cones because they did studies that yellow actually shows up better than orange but like holy shit if that company ever goes public they're like yeah dude he's pretty much going to be like worth 10 million when he's 25 and the rest of us are like oh my god because you just believe it like even if you're smart you're so fucking impressionable and dumb and you actually will then tell that story to impress other people be like dude you hear about mcgurk Yeah, he's going to be retired at 25. He's working for that new yellow cone company. Ah, shit. No way. Really? Like, good for him. But, you know, deep down, like, you're weird. You're a little competitive. You're a little jealous. And you don't realize how stupid you all are. You're just like, oh, that's, you know what? Like, everybody has that buddy. And a lot of people tell that story. like, oh, you know, if we'd ever gone public. Yeah, but you know what? You didn't. You didn't. And then you had to get another job like somebody else. Um, And so I had this other friend that we're driving around. I was like, how's work? I mean, this is early, early 20s, fresh out of the college womb and uh, he's like you know i just i was with my boss and she was telling me she's like you have no idea how much potential you have like you're incredible and like if you could just tweak this this i was like man you've only been there like six months and she already sees that and he's like yeah no it's really good like things are great and then i checked in like a year later i was like how's that going there he's like oh, i suck at the job as a parent she says that to everybody like that's her <laughs> That's her John Maxwell 101, where she should be like, tell everyone how much incredible potential they have. All right, so that sidebar over. Back to our man on Nantucket. While I like my job, I don't love it. I work on screenplays on the side. Uh-oh, here we go. 80 pages into one about a heist. Just started another one. Mix of Stand By Me, The Wire, and Hoop Dreams. Hmm. I don't know. what I'm trying to think what that would be. A bunch of basketball players walking around in the woods, but also moving dope. Couch. Yeah, moving dope in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> By the train tracks. <laughs> no, that's totally unfair. I, you know, a pitch, elevator pitches can be absolutely torn apart. I love that you're doing it. All right. I love that you're sitting down there. You wrote 80 pages, man. A lot of people talk about it. They never do it. You did it. You wrote pages down. Feel great about yourself. I've always loved film. And if I go back in time, gee, how old are you, dude? This kid's 23. Jesus Christ, wake up. All right, sorry. If I go back in time to what, 13? He's an old soul man. (laughs) What are you talking? Yeah. All right. Um, I think I would have taken that career route more seriously, looked into getting my master's of producing in New York or LA. This could cost some serious cash though. Actual investment. I also catch myself thinking about going back home, becoming my dad in a sense back where everybody knows my name at the same time. I don't know if I'm thinking into things too much. I enjoy what I do now. Is the grass is always greener. You know, where the 23 year old kid wants to spice things up and buys the motorcycle out of his price range. and only drives it twice. Oh, maybe he's not 23. My bad. Um, But I think he's young. Um, Or how a guy tells everyone he knows he's picking up boxing and only goes to one class. Do you have any thoughts? All right. Don't be. um, I have so much respect for the guy that goes to one boxing class than the guy that always says he's going to. Okay. So that's that's a huge hurdle in not just boxing but all sorts of stuff. Now think of all the stuff that you say you want to do and how many of you never ever do it. Okay. Now I don't know your age here, but. when it comes to Nantucket, Nantucket's always going to be there unless it prices you out and you can't afford to live on a house there. But that's another topic. Uh, if you are this young and it is not unique as you'll notice through all of these life advice deals. And, and, you know, I went through all the same stuff where you're like, I'm just afraid of being average. And one of the harshest things one of my friends said to me was, you know the, what average is, right? You know that that means there's other people that are below average. Right. <laughs> it's like, Wait, is that supposed to make me feel better about being average? Because for a long time, I was pretty sure I was going to be below average, although I had this incredibly uh, misguided expectations of myself despite the path that I was on to Loserville. Um, I, again, I don't know how old you are. It sounds like the job thing is going really well, but why can't you do something online for a semester first and see how that goes? before you give up on the career. Because if you like the building part of it, it sounds like you do. Um, I would do that for a little while. And I would do it for more than a couple of years. I would not be in a rush to go back to Nantucket just because it's where you're from. Now, if you have this emotional tie that I've described before, that I grew up with, uh, with so many of my, my siblings, where it's just like you always find yourself sort of back on Martha's Vineyard because that's inherently what you want to do, then fine, but it's always going to be there. So you shouldn't be that young. And man, I'm telling you, maybe you should live on Nantucket for a winter At a young age and then go, all right, wait a minute, what the hell was I thinking here? Because, you know, those Cape and Island towns, specifically the islands, are no place any man in his twenties should be if you have these kinds of aspirations. And I'm not saying like the guy that's happy there and content and starting a family and maybe works in construction or is a fireman or all that kind of stuff. Like you just like the deal, you like the way the town rolls, and that's great. So I'm not dumping on that, but I'm telling you, if you have big time aspirations, when I moved back to Martha's Vineyard in nineteen ninety-nine out of college and was sending out resume tapes from a beta master. That sounded weird. Um, Yeah, it did. (laughs) To to different, I don't know, but it is. I know it's not even that weird, but it just sounded weird. Uh, I was like, you know what's not the hotbed of networking for on-air sports television shows? Martha's Vineyard in the winter. So I had to get out of there. Like It was a huge mistake for me to even go back. And then I'm like, I just felt like I sort of needed, you know, it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm done with school. I've been in this town a little too long. I've got to move on and I've got to move somewhere else. And instead, what I should have done is stayed up there longer, save money, and then moved to the next town. And for whatever reason, I went home to work for my father and swing a hammer for a while because I did kind of like working outside. So uh, it sounds like you're pretty, it may be driven. It sounds like you've done some really great things here, but you have this creative part of you that's gnawing at you. You have to, not everybody gets to. But if you can pull it off, I think you have to scratch that itch so that you have your answer. And even if it doesn't work out, it's not going to be something. And this is the same advice I'm going to give to every single person whenever it's that creative thing that you want to try. Most people are telling you to tell you not to do it. I think it's important to try it. It's almost like moving. Hey, move away because then if you don't like it somewhere else, you'll appreciate home more. It's the same thing with your career. Challenge yourself. Try something outside of the box. But I think in this case, when you have a nice job that you seem to kind of like, um, the Nantucket business thing, family stuff feels like that's still an option for a long time. Why not take something online in New York city or go to a quick kind of seminar? I don't know, uh, on a couple weeks off or something where you can, uh, you can really see if that's something that you want to do. And if you do want to do it and you're good at the job and you're good at the other stuff, um, you know, take that risk, take that risk while you're young and you don't have people depending on you. That's what I did. All right. That was, uh, I want to make those shorter Kyle, but damn, they seem to go really long. That one hit you hit you right in the heartstrings, though. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review to the Ryan Russell Podcast and the Ringer Podcast Network. Reminder: Bill and I back. I don't want to say back and better than ever, but we're back uh, on Sundays for the remainder of this NBA run. So fired up about that. We'll talk to you on Thursday.